Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable, circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hello, this is Ken Alston with the Circularity Edge podcast. And today my guest is Mikhail Duren. Mikhail is a friend and colleague and co-founder of Circularity Edge. And he's just recently written a new report called The Pivotal Role of the Circular Economy in the Americas. Welcome, Mikhail. Hi there, Ken. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Oh, terrific, terrific. So why, why this report and why now? Well, I think um, we are seeing so many um, changes and curveballs in our um, society in many, many ways, from COVID to uh, climate change. We just had COP26. Um, and I think um, circular economy as a framework is um, probably the most approachable framework that we have to address um, not not possibly COVID, but many of the other issues. Um, But if we um, don't implement it right, um, we can actually make things worse. So the fact that it is attractive and approachable is also the danger. People are enthusiastic and they understand it or or so they believe, but this is also the red flag. It's easy to oversimplify and just see material flows and reductions in pollution and um, uh, reduced resources, but there is much more to it. So if if we don't um, implement it right and really think this through, I am very much afraid it's going to be the next um, sustainability, the next uh, corporate social responsibility. It's going to be greenwashing and it's not going to reach its potential, uh, which would be a real shame because I think it can do a tremendous amount of good in our economies, our societies and uh, our places where we live. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And as you know, I do a lot of public speaking and I've been talking about the simplicity of concepts, which is what sustainability is. It's a concept. Circular economy is a concept. And for me, concepts are meant to be simple because they're meant to make you think. They're meant to make you change your perspective, you know, and give you a paradigm shift and say, hang on a minute, look at this this way. But... That's the, that's the benefit of them being a simple concept. But the real world in which you're describing is highly complex. And so there is a, this big gap between the simplicity of the concept, which as you say, people can be enthusiastic about and they can get it intellectually. But as we've proven with sustainability, after 34 years of trying, we're less sustainable than we were before. So there definitely is that risk. I agree with you there. So right. Who, who are you aiming this report at? <clears throat> Uh, Well, I actually uh, was really triggered by something uh, you said in a positive way, and that is, wait a minute, let's ask some questions. 
um, and and that is um, um, what I hope to achieve with this report. Um, so I write about the pitfalls of um, circular economy based on re recent, very recent research from Europe that's totally new in the United States, uh, and also about avoiding these pitfalls and uh, give some tips, structured tips on how knowledgeable people, and I think you and I hopefully qualify there, uh, can help. I think so. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's written for people that, um, for, for, for business people, consultants, also very, very much government, mm -hmm. and um, hopefully even maybe a consumer here and there, because in a way we're all having a professional role and we are consumers that are excited. They've heard about the circular economy, but they're going, um, okay, now what? Um, I like Scott, the fact that you link, you, link, you link sustainability. I know that's something that we talk about all the time in Circularity Edge, is it sustainable circular economy. Yeah. Circularity on its own isn't necessarily sustainable. I can think of many unsustainable circular economy practices. So I think the, the connectivity you make there between the two is, is really important because it links to the sustainable development goal, which you also referenced, I think. Yes, I did. And I think a really good example is if we look at the recent climate change uh, and even the policy from coming from uh, Mr. Biden, our president himself, from the White House. It, um, uh, and, and what we learned from COP, which I think was a disappointment. Um, but what, what we see is now climate change has become or has been framed politically, of course, to be something nations are supposed to do. And I know that big forward thinking businesses are really uh, worried, um, but the, the responsibility kind of has been taken away. Um, and bringing it back to the circular economy, if we look at climate change as nations and we reduce uh, emissions, let's say by electric cars, what, what's happening with the supply chains? You know, how, how much energy, extra energy are we needing to mine those metals for those cars? So there you already have it. You cannot just look at climate change and insulation, isolation. You also have to look at circular economy and in a way climate change then becomes integrated with circular economy. So, so that's why it's so... Um, well, I think there's, I think there's a question that, that isn't often raised and that, that's silos, I call it silos. Yes, um, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. I, I, as you know, I speak a lot in universities and I, I, when I talk at universities, I, I talk about the silos between departments. You know, biology doesn't talk to architecture. And yet, you know, on a, on, when you look at nature, you know, nature is full of fractals, as we know, and there are fractals in architecture and there are fractals in nature. And there, there's so much connectedness that we're missing. And I think, yes. I think this, this connectedness and the, the fact that we, like you say, we operate in government departments, you know, even in a company, you, a company operates in departments. And we silo 
all the ways in which we work and it, it limits the opportunity to get this integration that you talked about. Um, say a little bit about some of the, the learning you got from, I know some recent work you did that links back to clean energy uh, since you mentioned COP. Yeah. What, what, did, you, what did you find in the, in the recent work where, where you and I were, were experts in a, in, a, in a research paper? Yeah, we worked um, on a large, large project uh, that had to do with um, renewable energy um, all over the world. Um, and um, this is an ongoing uh, project, multi-million dollar project. Um, and they were entering a new cycle and what they decided to do was add circular economy to it. And very simply said, what are you gonna do with an old windmill or with old solar panels? We're gonna have tons and tons and tons of those things. This is um, actually playing out right now in Europe, right? The first and second yeah, generation it is. of those, those windmills are now but, coming to the end of their use period and they don't know what to do with the blades and so on. But what, what, what happened is um, that uh, you could almost like see, it was a flashback to 35 years ago with okay. sustainability. Okay. First, circular economy became this add-on task. It was task four of uh, four or five tasks. It was under budgeted. It was uh, forced into a uh, rigid framework of how they had done things before. Uh, and it became um, co-opted uh, in spite of our offering knowledge and saying, look, this isn't going to work. It became co-opted in the old um, linear economy. It became co-opted in the hierarchy of how government large governments work. And that's another interesting issue. I think locally, uh, there, is, uh, there are more opportunities. So um, you could almost predict what was happening. And uh, the other thing it's is- bit, It's what, a bit like we're still stuck in the linear economy. We, yes. can't, we can't break out somehow, even though yeah. we're talking about circularity and we're talking and, about changes in policy, we're sort of stuck in the flow that it exists and we can't we can't step out of the, the river, it's flowing too fast. No, and we can't see it. And that is this precisely my, my, my worry. Because, I mean, you could ask a middle schooler this, um, if we bring something new, um, like the circular economy, which is much more a systems integrated type of thinking, we need new ways of learning. We need new education. We need um, not the linear uh, categorized systems. It's different. And we even need new leadership. And there's actually a section in the report about the type of leadership we, we uh, need, in my opinion, for true leaders to understand how to work with these contexts. And it also gives um, four or five very, very clear me methods briefly described on how to avoid the pitfalls and how to start properly if you want to implement circular economy. 
I think one of the problems that I see is that, you know, we've recognized in the early discussions on circular economy that we need some different business models. And, and changing from the current one, as you just said, is proving to be very difficult. We're sort of stuck in it. Um, there are a few experiments going on. You've got um, people like Mud Jeans in the Netherlands who are leasing blue jeans, you know, and not selling yeah. blue jeans. Mm -hmm. um, you've got Philips in the Netherlands that's selling light as a service, which is another circular business model. But these, these are still the exceptions and not the norm. And so we... You know, yeah. As you say, we've got to we've got to teach and, and, and learn about these different ways we can we can be users and not necessarily consumers um, as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. So what what we need if we want to do this right is um, a critical and careful assessment, which is at least asking these beginning questions. That's how it all starts including social, political, cultural, industrial, and technological context. And we need to educate or open up to consumers because a lot of uh, people still think in property ownership while this is becoming shared. And funny enough, I, I thought of this, we have no problem uh, sleeping in used beds in hotels. Right. But we do want to own our own lawnmower. Yeah, well, you're even, even these days with Airbnb in someone else's home. <laughs> I know, yeah. So that's happening. So it's a mindset. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we can change that if we apply the right type of leadership and engage in the right type of dialogue. Uh, you, you mentioned social there in, in that little piece you talked about and, and things we have to take account of. And I, I still think that that's a piece that gets a lot of lip service. It's mentioned, but then we find a lot of trouble of actually implementing it because it's circular economy. And so the economy always dominates. How, how do we also bring the social up the, up, up the list a little higher too? Yeah, I think... Um... The word economy is, of course, what makes, uh, let's say, straightforward, old-fashioned business uh, attracted um, because it sounds good. Oh, economy, we grow and we all get rich and we all do great. But that's also the pitfall. Mm. Uh, it also brings up the question of scaling. Um, I think circular economy, right, now and at its best, it's going to work on the local scale. And um, there are a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one is that um, it's just totally crazy to ship things from all across the world and, and, and ship them back. Uh, so local uh, supply chains is good. But going back to your social uh, question, um, this is indeed about uh, systems change. It's from linear to more systemic contextual thinking. So on the local scale, we can more easily see our environment and what's happening to it. But we also need a 
dialogue. We, we have to um, get people around the table and we call that uh, stakeholder engagement mm. uh, from many different walks of life. And we have to define that overarching goal. And um, then I can say, I, I would say, look, this circular economy framework actually can help us do that and make it practical. And that's where I see the strengths if we do it right. But if we just go, oh, circular economy, this is a task for one or two people that sit in a corner and they write a report and then um, we're ready to implement it, it, that's never going to work. I think it's interesting that, you know, I agree with you completely about the local focus uh, for action. Um, you know, there's an old saying that been around since sustainability, which all sustainability is local. And I think ultimately all sustainable circular economy is local because that's where stuff ends up being. It doesn't matter if you're washing machine with yeah. in China right now, it's in your house or your apartment, wherever you are. And, and I, when, I, it, when it's finished and doesn't work anymore and you have to get a new one, then that's a local question because it's, it's right there in your city. Yeah, you can put the landfill right to the middle of the city and people will wake up to it. Now, usually the landfill is put in uh, near where poor people live. So that's another social uh, aspect. Yeah. yeah. People think I'm about reading, waste. I'm reading an interesting book right now. It's called uh, Who Not How it's by Dan Sullivan. And, um, and it, it's making me think about you know, we, we, we do tend to jump into this. Okay, so how are we going to make things sustainable? How are we going to redesign things? You know, and these are important things. You, we have to deal with the how, but normally we're, we're savvy enough to be able to work out the how. I think the question is, is becoming, and I think you've alluded to that in, in your listing of, you know, when you talk about all the stakeholders, stakeholders of the who, right? Who is going yes. to do it? Governments have a role, um, businesses have a role, civil society has a role, individuals have a role. We all, the who is everybody, but the roles are not necessarily the same, right? Governments are probably more in the enabling or cajoling or you know, pushing you through taxation or, or incentives, right? They're, they're trying to say, look, if you go this way, we'll give you some benefits. Um, so they're enablers more than doers. Obviously, they do spend some money too, so they've got their own budgets too. Well, I think yeah, functioning. Examples. I think functioning government is hugely important, and they have a very different role from business. First of all, they can think long term. They're actually people are hired to think long term if things are right, and business thinks short term. So, and governments can, uh, for instance, um, help with um, setting quality standards because in circular economy, we look at um, reusing, refurbishing, uh, sharing. I, so, I like your list. You have a big long list of RE prefix words. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they're, they're all important yeah. because they, they give you that sense that it's the other thing that I think that people get stuck on, oh, we're talking about recycling. There are a lot more RE words that we have to, to deal with, right? Recycling is the, is the 
the last thing. One, yes, the last option, except for burning it and staying warm a little bit. So, and that's that's really uh, ironic that you bring that up because so often um, there are case studies about uh, recycling, and also in our um, uh, work we did for this large government entity, uh, they go, "We want to see case studies. We want to see case studies." And you say, well, that's not always how it works. And they are hard to um, uh, copy or, or duplicate. But it all came down to recycling. Mm. And I said, that's not really circular economy. That's like fixing, amp <laughs> it's amputating the leg instead of uh, healing it. Mm. Yeah, it is... Um, so, well, I, like so fact, I think I think I'm right in saying that in France they've implemented some regulations which now that you know various items you buy have to have a minimum use period, you know, like 13 or 14 or 12 or 14 years or something. You know, so you can't you can't have your toaster break down after three years. It's got to yeah. be able to be repaired so that right. it can last longer. So I think things there's another example that's, of an enabler. That's what uh, government also can do. And um, local governments can bring people together. They can more easily reach out to consumers. So I see government not in, to govern. It's interesting how language uh, influences our thinking. But as, as a partner in um, um, uh, this dialogue, we need everybody on board to um, get out of this uh, suicidal linear model. In, in your report, you, you talked about um, the digital twin in Scotland and scenario-based teaching and learning. Say a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I will keep it at a high level. Um, learning is uh, really important. Learning and grokking what systemic thinking is. So there are all these um, uh, new technologies that are super exciting. Um, and one is, uh, um, well, it's, 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 so it's, it could be scenario-based. You can play through scenarios now online. Uh, so there's a gamification aspect there and digital Twinning is like making a almost exact online copy of your region. And then you have different levers that you can play with and say, okay, well, these are goals. And you, indeed, if you have 10 players, one plays government, the other one plays someone else. And so, so that is what's going on. Uh, but most importantly, systems are dynamic. They're um, sometimes semi-chaotic even, and they keep changing. Uh, so our learning isn't going to stop. It's not like, wow, I took the circular economy course. Now I know everything for the next 20 years. Right. It's not going to stop. So, so ongoing learning on, on how um, to best keep adapting and to keep 
staying in the flow of life, becoming more like the ecological system, because that's basically what, what we're trying to do, becoming more like a life, like a, the ecology, and mimicking that. Biomimicry uh, is a, has been doing that for the longest time on a smaller scale. Uh, but there's also social biomimicry, which is to, to, to study how um, life forms, species, trees, and now there's beautiful books uh, coming out about the role of fungi, mm -hmm. how important they are. Well, we don't have to get experts on fungi, but we have to understand that these are living systems that all cooperate and share uh, water. They, they, they have they to transfer ownership of materials from one yeah. to another through the roots and yeah. through the, through the, the network of, of fungi that are connecting the roots. It's not Which just, is, it's not yeah. root to root, it's root to fungus to root. Yeah. Imagine what we can learn there if we want to look at material flows. Yeah. You, you, I think you mentioned something in the report about uh, in, in the sharing economy area about how many resources we already have that are just not being used. And this, this for me has been one of my big bugaboos, as you know, for the last few years. In, in every city, particularly since COVID, you mentioned COVID at the beginning, you know, how, how many office spaces are there that are underutilized? How many things are, are already made that aren't being used? Yeah. And yet we want to go out and buy, buy something when there's probably hundreds of whatever it is we're looking for right in our own city and we don't know about it. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I did deliberately not get into case studies because I think there are already great case studies. You mentioned uh, sharing or trading uh, genes, um, but I did um, identify two huge uh, and, and really exciting uh, trends. One, one is uh, the innovations in learning, which I think is absolutely essential. But the, the other one is indeed um, the sharing economy, what you are um, mentioning here. And that is, uh, I think can be very, very effective in reducing resources and using virgin materials. Uh, we also now have the technology to set that up, set up these marketplaces, these trading marketplaces, so people can actually uh, share uh, goods. And there is indeed so much sitting around. Um, business uh, can speak for itself, but if you think of lawnmowers, I mean, how you have a machine and it works half an hour every two weeks and only in summer. Yeah. <laughs> no business leader is going to say, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead and buy a machine that only works half an hour and every two weeks and then it's not used. It's crazy. No, but it's buy, the you mindset. Buy the you buy the, the service of someone yes. using the, the lawnmower or the leaf blower since it's the fall when we're recording this. It's the um, mindset and the relentless push to buy stuff. Yeah. So, so much relates together here. But as you, as, as you rightfully pointed out, the sharing economy uh, and platforms were, lo again, locally, 
because you, you, you kind of want to know when there's some studies out there, you kind of want to know, uh, all right, there's this company, it's 20 miles away. I know this town and I've seen them, see their whatever their name on their office. Oh yeah, sure. I'll, 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 uh, uh, make an agreement to use their microscopes or their lawnmowers or whatever. And then I give them back and I pay a little bit and we're all happy. It's a win-win. So that, that uh, is indeed um, uh, elaborated uh, upon in the, in the report as, a, as yeah. an upcoming example of practical in, in circular the, economy. In the notes to go with the podcast, I'll put a link to the, to the report so people can download it. Um, what, what in your mind is next then? What, what, what actions do you want to see from people who read the report? I want them um, to um, get a really clear, truthful understanding of what circular economy means and what is needed to implement it uh, properly. And I give um, tips for that. One is uh, stakeholder uh, engagement. Yeah, you can do a literature study. Of course you can. But if you really want to start, you have to get uh, the political consumers. Uh, you, get, you need them all uh, on board. Government. Uh, so that's probably going to be local to be successful. The other um, thing is that you can do is uh, uh, you, you have to find that overarching goal to, you get clear on a definition of circular economy and make sure it applies to your context so people can all buy into it because we also have endless examples of government trying to impose something or by lack of government business trying to impose something so you need to come to that shared understanding. And that's a process that needs a budget. And it's important. It's serious. So we can ask those questions. What is it that we need in our communities and our business communities? The other the, thing... To that point about you know, governments can regulate. My, my bugaboo with, with regulation is that it tends to stifle innovation because it puts you into a box. You can only do this. You know, you're telling me exactly what I can and can't do, but it doesn't give me scope to use my brain and think of something completely out of the box. You, <laughs> well, that, that, into a box. that would be an example of a bad regulation. Yeah. I think an example of a good regulation could be uh, to set... Um, a minimum uh, uh, reuse content or uh, recycled materials content. So, and these actually will uh, push innovation because then businesses will have to think, okay, I'm not going to do that. I, I probably, probably need to start to talk to my consumers. And um, so there, there are... Um, guidance or regulations that uh, uh, can really uh, help. Also funding for consumer education 
in a in a gentle non uh, authoritative uh, way um the other uh, takeaway that people can do is um there are uh, now uh quite a few good examples and there is guidance uh and and we 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 have certainly um have that experience as well on how to um, draft a proper roadmap, not a theoretical one, but a one that can be implemented. And a big part of that is, um, and in all fairness, um, if people become system thinkers, they may be overwhelmed and it is overwhelming. So, but there are now, ways, principles, guidance on how to prioritize. And I talk a little bit about that in the report. So that is something people can do. And then um, with a proper budget, with time, with a curiosity, um, start working on that roadmap. What is it that we need? What is it that we we, we are afraid of? What is it that we want to change in our, our state or county or not, not too large country, region? So, um, well, I think, I think as we, you know, we get now, we're two years in virtually to the origination of COVID, which is something you mentioned at the beginning. But I'm beginning to sense that even though we've got new variants coming up, which are always going to, you know, throw another curveball in. Um, I still, I sense that people are wanting to move forward and there's a renewed interest in these topics, you know, having been somewhat quiet for 18 months, focusing on COVID and lockdowns, I think people are ready now to, to move yeah. forward again. And so I think your report is very timely. And um, well, thank you. So yeah. I, I think it's definitely a must read and um, we'll, we'll make sure there's, a link in the in the podcast notes for that. The one final thing you want people to take away before we we close out today. Uh, yes. Um, continuing on what you just said, and uh, thank you for that. Post COVID, or if you want to say, uh, with some ongoing COVID, there is no going back to normal. We need new skills. Uh, we need new ways of learning and leading and cooperating. Uh, national borders. I, I don't think this virus gives a damn about little drawn lines on a map. Exactly. It's ridiculous. We have to start cooperating. We have to enter that dialogue. And I think circular economy is a really promising, practical, if done right, framework, which we can all get excited about. And that's what I would like um, to wrap up with. Very good. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation, Mikhail, and um, I hope that we get lots of people coming up and uh, reading the report and uh, Hopefully they can, I think in the report, if I remember right, there's a way for them to get back in touch with you. And hopefully we can, um, we can start getting some of this activity going. 
Certainly, and I want to thank you very much. It's been a very uh, energetic, energizing conversation. Well, so we'll, um, we'll look forward to, uh, to hearing back. Maybe we'll come on again in a couple of months' time and uh, see what reaction you got to the report. Sounds good. All right. Thanks very Thanks much. Thanks again. Appreciate it. So that's the end of another version of the, the Circular Edge podcast, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.circularityedge.com. Until next time, bye Circular. Circular.